0: Welcome back to the program. Hour number three as we start the backside of the show. We are broadcasting the Bill Michael Show. We are live. We are here at uh, Social House, Lisbon Road, Menominee Falls. And it's the grand reopening as today is the grand reopening. And all throughout the rest of the week. And the reason we are here is because uh, this weekend, a portion of the proceeds go to Fisher House, Wisconsin. We got our guys from Burn Pit Barbecue, barbecue sauces that are on site. And by the way, if you want to try them or, or, excuse me, buy them, Uh, Go to burnpitbbq.com. That is burnpitbbq.com. But uh, we're here for the grand reopening. As uh, you were looking uh, over on the Bud Light live stream, you're looking live now at uh, the new addition to uh, Social House. And also they've got the outside patio as well that uh, you can sit outside on now that uh, is fully open. And and they're just kind of putting out some of the finishing touches on the place, but more so than anything. The tap takeover from our friends at Beachwood and our friends at Bud Light and many of the beers and and such that they serve. The tap takeover this weekend, a portion of the proceeds off the taps this weekend goes to Fisher House, Wisconsin, helping military members, veterans, and their families. And a portion of the donation comes from tips as well. And there's a donation jar and so many different things that you can be a part of this. So we can't say thanks enough to all of you who are coming out, whether it's today or tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday. And don't forget, tip heavy. And uh, buy the tappers. Try a few new things, and uh, you can uh, you can help out military veterans, members, and their families along the way as well. So, really, really good stuff there. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you haven't seen it already, um, John Daly, as uh, Ben alluded to a little earlier, uh, John Daly out on the golf course today, and I am going to uh, I am going to throw the picture out there from the PGA Tour who uh, posted this just a little while ago regarding John Daly. you got to see it. If you haven't seen it already, it's it's awesome. As Ben said, he feels as if he's taken an acid trip by seeing John Daly's pants. There it is. I just retweeted it off of the PGA Tour's uh, Twitter feed. You can follow me over there, at Bill underscore Michaels. Absolutely awesome. Look at his pants. Oh, my God. They're the... uh the uh, like mexican scald tequila pants i guess is the, the best way the best way you can put it fantastic stuff hey uh, our buddy gary damato from gulf wisconsin uh, on hold gary how you doing
1: i'm doing good bill how are you
0: doing extremely well so let, let's start off with are you a little surprised that john daly was near the top of the leaderboard as things got underway today
1: yeah, absolutely. I saw, uh, I, I called up the leaderboard early in the morning and saw he was two under after a couple of holes. And I thought, holy cow. But, you know, anything can happen with John. I think uh, the last tournament he entered, he was in contention and made a couple double bogeys and didn't sign a scorecard and, and was disqualified. So, um, but it, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to see his name on the leaderboard at a major championship. Again, it's been a while
0: let's uh let's start with the big uh, trio that everybody was talking about jordan spieth uh, tiger woods and rory mcelroy now rory was leading the tournament last i checked i don't know if the leaderboard has changed since then but tiger even uh jordan spieth uh you know a few shots back as well but talk about that trio and what this means for tiger from what we saw over at augusta during the masters to where he is today
1: yeah, it's really, it's a great person because, I mean, this, this means a lot to all three of those guys. I mean, Rory and Jordan haven't won majors in a long time. And, uh, obviously Tiger on the comeback trail. You know, I thought this might be a good week for him because Augusta National is a very, very tough walk. And he, you know, he shot a very good first round there, 71, and then made the cut and then really fatigued on the weekend. You could tell, um, that the course got to him and he shot a couple 78s. This course, isn't nearly as hilly. There's a big hill, you know, going down one and going up 18. Um, but other than that, it's not that hard to walk. So, and plus, he's had a couple months to get better shape, you know, to get his leg feeling better. So, I expected him to play, you know, pretty well here this week. And so, you know, whatever he does uh, won't surprise me.
0: Uh, I know Rory is uh, right now five under, and Tiger and Jordan both two over, so they're seven shots back. But is that – both of those guys, though, Rory and Jordan, have had a ton of success in their career. This is – it's not like all the eyes are upon Tiger in in that particular group, even though everybody's watching uh, upon his return. But uh, there really isn't much pressure in that group, is there?
1: Well, you know – uh, Jordan is, has played really well this year. He was in a slump. He's, he, he fell down to, like, number 92 in the world, and he's back up in the top 10 now. His putter isn't what it used to be, but he's hitting the ball better than he ever probably has in his career. So if he can get the putter going, uh, you know, um, he definitely could contend here this week. And Rory is trying to, uh, you know, trying to win a major for the first time since, what, 14? I guess it's been, like, seven or eight years since he won his last major. So, um There's some self-imposed pressure on those guys, certainly.
0: What? uh, What? Because the last time we saw Southern Hills be a major, Tiger won it. But who else has a game that is adaptable to this course that would give them an advantage?
1: You know, I really like Xander Sophie going into this major. He hasn't won one yet. He's played really, really good this year. He's played good for a number of years now. You know, but he just hasn't been able to close a deal in a major. I think he first sort of surfaced at Aaron Hills when he had a really good U.S. Open back in 2017. And um, I, I really liked his chances going in this week. I think he's one or two under. Um, and, and, you know, Thursday, it doesn't mean anything. You just, you're just trying not to shoot yourself out of it on Thursday. You just staying around power, one under is fine on the first day. Um, and I, I, Will Zalatoris is another name. Um, you know, he's, uh, he had a great Masters last year. He really hasn't done much since, but, uh, and, and then, obviously, Scotty scheffler you know, probably the favorite going in because of the year he's had, you know, winning four times. Um, so those are some names to watch for sure, Bill. Uh,
0: golf itself, obviously, putting a major in every month now um, has changed the look of golf. And, and do you ever see like say whistling getting another major Gary I know that was one of the things when we got to the PGA championship moving it up and what the weather would be like here in Wisconsin this weekend it's going to be a little bit cold but it's cooler but it's not going to be cold it's not going to be nasty do you ever see them uh, getting it back to whistling straights anytime soon
1: you know I would never say never but I think the PGA has become a long shot because of the time of year now and and it's not because of the weather it's not because they might face cold days or rainy days because those guys complain or anything it's it's more that the course isn't ready yet. You know, it's just come out a winner. The course, Whistling Straits, has probably been open when the PGA. You know, this week it's only been open a few weeks. So, it's, the, the course isn't isn't ready for a major championship. The players, they can play in anything. You know, they prefer not to play in forty degrees and rain and wind, but but they can. So, um, so I think the PGA is a long shot. The U.S. Open, definitely a long shot. I mean, that's scheduled out now, I don't know, 25 years with just a couple exceptions. Um, I know Mr. Kohler uh, was really interested in getting the Tour Championship, but Coca-Cola is the main sponsor of the Tour Championship, so as long as Coke is a sponsor, it's going to be in Atlanta. Now, if they would ever switch title sponsors and Kohler would pitch uh, for a title sponsor for the Tour Championship, I think he'd they'd grab that one in a, in a heartbeat. It's not a major, but it's you know it's a big one.
0: What do you see? Do you see Aaron Hills getting one anytime soon? You know, Aaron Hills has the U.S. Mid-Am
1: this year, and they've got the U.S. Uh, Women's Open in 2025. <clears throat> and I think if the Women's Open goes really well, <clears throat> I think um, they'd be on a short list again for Corser to get one. But the problem is. The USD is going to these rotation courses now, Piners, Pebble Beach, Shinnecock, uh, and, and they're scheduling numerous US Opens at these courses now. So, you know, I think there's only room for, like, one sort of odd course every, like, 8 or 10 years to, to get an Open. And I, I think Aaron Hills would be in that conversation, but it, it might be a long time. I mean, it might be 8, 10, 12, 15 years before they get another US Open. But I, I think they've got a really good chance to get one.
0: Talking with Gary Damato uh, of Golf Wisconsin, you can read his stuff there. So, Gary, let me ask you. I want to go back to to John Daly for a second because obviously there's a lot of talk about his attire today, and he's kind of a caricature yeah. within himself. But <laughs> give me your thoughts on his career because I've always said I th- I think had he he was a guy that just didn't care. Uh, he, he cared about winning early on and such, but you know he had, he had won and, and was a major champion and just had his own vices. And rather than say, okay, i got to do everything and anything I can to be physically fit and to kind of take it to the next level with all these other guys, he just said, you know what, I'm just going to play golf and enjoy it. I really don't care. How good was John Daly in his heyday?
1: As good as anybody. I mean, you could really say he underachieved. He won two major championships, a PGA and a British Open. The, you know, master uh, Augusta National should have been just tailor-made for that guy. Um, but he never won there. Uh you know, so it's hard to say a guy who's won two majors is underachieved. But I think when he was in his twenties and early thirties, he had as much talent as anybody on the planet. And you know, um, he—it's not that he didn't care. It's that I think you know he's—he's uh, he's got some excesses in his life. You know, he's—he's um, he's had problems with drinking. He's had problems with—you know—all the vices you can think of, really. So I think that's what's you know what sort of held him back. He's had a good career. I think he's blown through a lot of money, um, but I think he's probably most people would say he's underachieved based on his talent, based on how far he hit it, and very, very underrated short game. Really good uh, chipper and putter of the ball.
0: Yeah, I was saying, I was telling a story yesterday on the air that I never forgot uh, the first PGA Championship at Whistling and how he's, you know, knocking down a cigarette and tossing him into the sand traps and covering him up with sand and telling people not to tell anybody and he was he was quite the character to follow on on the first couple of days of that tournament. He was he was hilarious. How good is his kid?
1: You know his kid I think is at Arkansas. Um, they used to call him Little John, but now he's big enough that they don't call him Little John anymore. Um really good. Um like his dad though, streaky, you know when when John when Big John got it going, um, he could really shoot numbers and win tournaments and then he'd disappear for long stretches. I think his son is a little bit like that, pretty streaky, can really can really play well for stretches and then disappears. Um and but you know, a lot of players are like that. And all it takes on the PGA tour is to have, you know, two or three or four really good weeks and you don't have to do anything the rest of the year and you've made a million dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Gary, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. So so who's your favorite in this one? Who you got? You know, I picked Spieth or Shofley
1: going in. So now that Spieth's a couple over, I'll have to I'll, – I'll stick with Shofley. I think he's going to have a really good uh, – I think he's good, okay. and I think he's going to have a good week.
0: He is uh, – he's hanging out right in there, as a matter of fact. Only three shots off the pace behind Rory at this point. Uh, Gary, always a pleasure, buddy. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you soon, okay?
1: Sounds good, Bill. Thanks a lot for having
0: me. Absolutely. There you go. Uh, that is Gary D'Amato, longtime writer for the Journal Sentinel, golf writer. You can read his stuff at Golf Wisconsin as well. By the way, for the PGA Championship, uh, Rory McIlroy right now on top of the leaderboard, five under. Showfully, like he had stated, uh, sitting at two under right now. Uh, you've got Dean Burmester, or Bermister uh, at three under par, along with Zil- Will Zalatoris, He is also 3-under. Tom Hodge there, the same. I Got a host of guys at 2-under, including like Stuart Sink. Tony Finau at 1-under for the day after 15. Uh, There's Kevin Na also at 1-under. Then you start to go down that list, and you get to Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, both of those guys sitting at 2-over par right now. And John Daly finished the day after starting off relatively hot, and he was third on the leaderboard, has fallen off, and he has now finished at 2-over par. Today, So, Lee Westwood at one under, or excuse me, at one over. Jason Duffner the same. Hideki Matsuyama at one over as well. And uh, it kind of goes on from there. Justin Rose at even par. And uh, some of the other names you may recognize you have it that is the uh, the update for the PGA championship this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pindell a uh, manufacturing company based right here in Wisconsin in New Berlin Wisconsin as a matter of fact if you are a company looking to work with a tremendous precision machining company Pindell's the way to go or if you're looking for a great career or a career for a company that is overpaying and wanting to give you good benefits and wanting to give you the knowledge to advance your career go to Pindell P-I-N-D-E-L, P I N D E L that is Pindell.com. .com again Pindell Dot com. We are broadcasting live at uh, the Social House here on Lisbon Road in Menomone Falls and all the proceeds, or portion of the proceeds, I should say, uh, of this weekend's sales, of the tap takeover and uh, some of the donations and such. Go to Fisher House, Wisconsin, which is the reason we are here. We're going to hear from the president of Fisher House coming up a little bit later on, about an hour and 15 minutes from now. And uh, we'll hear a little bit more about the Fisher House and that mission. Uh, you know a lot of it from me, but uh, we'll bring in the president of the Fisher House, Angie Christensen, coming up here a little bit later later on. So stay tuned for that. But uh, thanks to everybody for not only showing up today for lunch and such, but everybody that comes in all weekend long and uh, makes a donation and such. It all goes to military members, their families, and veterans as well. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show, and it's all coming up right after this. Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh,
1: sometimes
0: I get a good feeling. Yeah. Welcome back. Glad to have you. Bill Michael Show we continue on thanks so much uh, to, to everybody for coming out, uh, not only people that are here, that are enjoying the food and enjoying the, uh, the beverages, so to speak, but also for the hospitality of the staff and the, the management. Obviously, Dan Della, we're here for the grand reopening of Social House, but also and more so uh, the fact that a portion of the proceeds from the weekend goes to Fisher House, Wisconsin, which is the home away from home for uh, military members and veterans' families when uh, their loved one is getting treatment at the VA. And they need to be with them. We take care of that. We house them and uh, put them up and uh, do it all cost free. So that's why Fisher House is so important, not to people in Milwaukee, but to people outside. Uh, If you're coming from Eau Claire, from Green Bay, from California, doesn't matter. Uh, That house can host you if indeed you need it. This portion of the program also being brought to you by our friends at Wabam. W-A-B-A-M. Go to getwabam.com. That is getwabam.com for all their products, whether it's cleaning products, industrial cleaning products, or if you're like a car guy or girl, motorcycle rider, if you're a boater. They've got products for everybody. As a matter of fact, you can pick up some of those products by going into uh, Wisconsin Harley-Davidson right next to the parts counter. I see them over there now as well. They are growing. Matt, uh, Matt Kenseth who's about to be the NASCAR Hall of Famer, uh, driving the Wabam Wabam car around the state of Wisconsin as well. But uh, you can see everything they have to offer. Go to Get, G-E-T, GetWabam.com. That's GetWabam, W-A-B-A-M, Wabam GetWabam.com. That's GetWabam.com. There you go. Uh, A couple of different things that uh, we wanted to get to. Uh, This one is from Tom. Tom says, uh, with Jair Alexander's contract being so large next year, do you think they redo that contract? Uh, as the salary cap is expected to go up, but I don't know how much. Well, I'm going to say that they're going to kind of kick the can down the road, yeah. I mean, the only thing that's guaranteed in contracts is the guaranteed money. The salary you can manipulate, but the guaranteed money you can't. You have to pay that. So they can do anything they want to do, much like we saw this year. They were $70 million over the cap, and they had to cut cut, cut salary, to, to redo contracts. David Bakhtiari, they redid Preston Smith, they, redid, they brought back Devondre Campbell, Uh, they made contracts to where the base salary, Aaron Rodgers, they made contracts to where the base salary was lower. So it actually shows lower on the cap hit. But eventually, the guaranteed money, it it all has to be paid. It's not like you don't pay that. You can just kick it down the road and whatever. you got to pay it eventually, and you don't want to go too far because the longevity of certain players, running backs, linemen, such, uh, it can change rather quickly. So you you don't want to be paying a guy – when either one, he's no longer with your team and it's an exorbitant amount of money, but you want to be able to pay them while they still have viability and not have a bunch of dead cap money floating around that's going to hamstring hamstring your your club. So, uh, yeah, they can do whatever they want, but it's it's how far down the road you want to kick that can monetarily to where you can still afford to put a good team on the field. Now, I've said for a while now that the the, the Packers are operating, to me anyway it looks like, within a two- to three-year window where a lot of this money is going to come due in the next couple of years, and then after that, and pretty much after the Aaron Rodgers contract runs its runs its course, then things begin to change. Then you're probably, unless you fall ass-backwards into another above-average quarterback, uh, that's when most likely your rebuild is going to begin. Um, so that's why, you know, with with we talked yesterday about the pressure to, uh, who has the most pressure on them as a quarterback, in the National Football League. Who is that going to be? When you look at that and you think about the quarterbacks that are out there, we talked about Russell Wilson obviously changing teams, going from Seattle to Denver. Aaron Rodgers, I think, has the most uh, to prove um, when it comes to winning this season as far as pressure goes, by far. For everything that's gone on, dating all the way back to the day before the draft last year, to the turmoil going into training camp, to the thought in the offseason about what he would or wouldn't do, to the loss of Devontae Adams, to the loss of MVS, to the loss of Equanemia St. Brown, bringing in Sammy Watkins, changing things around. What can they do, what he needs to do? Because you're it really, as the window of opportunity also begins to close on the career and needing, you know, reputation-wise, I guess, or for, you know, lore-wise, needing that second Super Bowl, uh, I think he's got a ton of pressure on him. Like I mentioned, Russell Wilson, yes, to get back because Denver believes that they're ready to go and they believe they're only a quarterback away and they made the move to bring him in. Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, going out and spending the money they did, getting, changing head coaches, getting Devontae Adams. I think his deal is a big deal. You look at a guy like Kyler Murray who's had such an off season of being very outspoken about his contract and wanting more money, wanting to be paid, thinking that he needs the extension now rather than later, and he really hasn't proved himself. He's played well. But he hasn't played well consistently. He's played well for four, five, six, seven games, and then all of a sudden, the second half of the season, his performance drops off. Now, granted, this year, the middle of the season was done in a little bit by injury, but for the most part, he did not perform the way they wanted him to, just specifically down the stretch. Dak Prescott, another one, that needs to have a big season. He's got a lot of pressure on him. There's pressure about talking about if they don't get to a Super Bowl, that Mike McCarthy's going to be on his way out. Sean Payton or someone else could be on their way in, as if Mike McCarthy, after signing, a, a I think it was a four- or five-year deal, suddenly after only a couple of years into this is looking at the possibility of losing his job. So there's a lot of pressure there in Dallas as there always is, we know, but there's a lot of pressure there. Um Tom Brady coming back and saying he wants to play again, coming, kind of trying to run it back for another year. The rumors about him having a hand in, you know, uh, the the, you know, Bruce Arians stepping down as the head coach. So all of that going on. Then you know, you look at Lamar Jackson. He had an injury-plagued season last year, uh, had fallen off. People were talking about whether or not, and I've said it too, whether or not he's actually a good quarterback or his, his one-year wonder as an MVP was a fluke. So he needs a good year. So there's there's some pressure. Matthew Stafford trying to repeat and trying to do it again and run it back, you know. Then obviously what they have going on, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo or or. You know, we'll see what happens out there with their quarterback situation, but they're trying to have a big year again out in San Francisco to try to get back. So there's some quarterbacks that have a lot of pressure, but I think I don't think anybody has more pressure on them than Aaron Rodgers does going into this season. So I I think they're in a two to three year window for him to get there. As we know, the clock is ticking on the end of the career. Uh, of Aaron Rodgers 877-867-1670 877-867-1670 if you want to hit us up feel free to go ahead and do so again 877-867-1670 when we come back uh, we're going to talk with Jimmy Stein Jimmy Stein's going to be joining us and if you don't know the name Jimmy Stein is going to be talking to us about what's going on right now he covers Alabama and covers Alabama football but if you have not heard the rhetoric between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher basically saying somebody needs to slap Nick Saban, should have slapped Nick Saban because of the deeds that he's done in the past. If anybody, quote, knows him and his program about how dirty he is. Nick Saban complaining about the NIL basically saying that Texas A&M paid for all their players and and threw just a a lot of shade at the Texas A&M program. I mean, it's gotten really heated. No holds bar for the most part. Uh, over the last 24 hours. So we're going to talk with Jimmy Stein, who covers Alabama football when we come back. Stay tuned for that. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. And if you are looking for new windows, patio doors, an entry door system, whatever it happens to be, when you're talking about the hometown team year round, that's our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. They get it done. They have uh, pretty much a window and a budget for everybody and financing and such that goes along with it. And uh, they try to get it done in many different ways. And uh, right now, you can choose. Uh, you can choose some great financing to fit any budget or 2500 bucks off an installed patio door system or up to three grand off of an installed entry door system. But you can't do anything if you don't call and you don't get a hold of them. Go to PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. Or call them 855-PELLAWI. That's 855-PELLAWI. Pella WI, that's Gina Della from Pella and all the people over there at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, whether it's Green Bay, Madison, Milwaukee, anywhere in between, all throughout the great state, just go to PellaWI.com, that is PellaWI.com, or call them 855-Pella-WI, that's 855-Pella-WI. Next, we're going to talk with Jimmy Stein, covers Alabama football. Boy, is there being some Thrown down there. Nick Saban had some things to say, and also Jimbo Fisher had things to say. Holy mackerel, it's getting ugly. Love it. It's great for us. We're going to talk about it coming up next on The Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: I don't cheat and I don't lie. So I learned that when I was a kid. If you did, the old man slapped the side
0: of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Wow, those are the words of Jimbo Fisher talking about Nick Saban. Welcome back to the program, the Bill Eichel Show. We are broadcasting live from the Social House. We are here on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls. But to, to the south, holy mackerel. The barbs that are going back and forth and the accusations that are going back and forth. And, man, oh, man, it is uh, getting a little about as tense as I've heard it and about as unadulterated as I've heard it in a long time. And joining us now on the hotline is uh, Jimmy Stein. Jimmy uh, has covers Alabama football, and he's uh, you can find him at QB underscore country uh, down there. Jimmy, how you doing?
2: Doing well. It's been a... Uh... A, late, a later night and early morning than I assumed for uh, for middle of May.
0: So give me your assessment of all of this, first and foremost, just kind of what you're seeing up close and personal. Right.
2: Well, first of all, this isn't the first time that Nick Saban has basically come – most of what Nick Saban is, was saying last night, I felt, was directed at the NCAA, directed at the landscape of college football, and then he specifically used examples of of what he's talking about by naming texas a&m and even to some extent jackson state and deon sanders and, and even miami basketball uh but but really this was not the first time nick saban has complained about the uh lack of uniformity and how schools across the country are implementing their nil programs and uh he got pretty specific about Texas A&M and, and Jimbo Fisher, and obviously, uh, obviously, Coach Fisher wasn't too too pleased with that. Although a lot of Coach Fisher's response and his press conference this morning, uh, you know, seemed a little over the top in, in the sense that I, 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 I listened many, many, many times to Coach Saban's comments last night. He did not say that Texas A&M violated NCAA rules, broke laws. Uh, he was basically saying that Texas A&M used NIL uh, as a way to put together the number one recruiting class in the country and that the leadership in college football needs to take a look at how NIL is being used and whether this is good or, or not for the game. But uh, Jimbo Fisher obviously didn't take the comments the same way.
0: Let's, let's start with the validity of the NIL and what's going on. So, we know that obviously name, image, likeness, uh, you know, students, student athletes can capitalize that. We're now seeing contracts being given to high schoolers. So, I said when they did it, when they decided on it, they were opening a Pandora's box. The NCAA didn't want to give up the money, so, it, you know, it went to other means, and now you can't put it back in the horses, my dad used to say, living on the farm. So so where is this headed? How, how, how much of a Pandora's box have they opened?
2: Well, like you said, you know, the toothpaste sitting going back in the tube now. Uh, it's, it's I think, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there because there is no uniformity or rules. But look, I think what Coach Saban is specifically complaining about is there's really two different ways right now these college athletes are getting NIL money. Uh, one is through what I would call traditional means, no different than professional athletes do it. For instance, Bryce Young, Alabama's Heisman Trophy winning quarterback uh, last year, but last summer uh, before he was the starting quarterback at Alabama, right when the NIL stuff was was, was finally allowed. and and, and wasn't going to be a violation, he retained an agent, which is completely legal. And his agent went about putting together NIL deals for Bryce, uh, autographs, commercials, ads, uh, social media. And Bryce famously collected as much as a million dollars or more in NIL deals through an agent. And that is uh, what I would call the traditional method of, of how athletes have always earned money of the NIL, and Nick Saban is completely, fine. he has said repeatedly, hey, this is fine. This is the way it should be done. It's okay. College athletes should be able to earn money like this, just like professional athletes do, uh, and this is okay. Well, what's happened is, you know, when you give these programs an inch, they take a mile, uh, everyone included. Uh, so what's happened is all of these schools um, have allowed – third-party entities called collectives to form, which are basically just boosters and companies that are friendly to a particular program, whether it's Wisconsin or Penn State or whether it's Alabama or Texas A&M. These collectives then uh, raise money from boosters and from companies and work with kids at a particular school uh, to make sure that these kids are getting some level of NIL money so that so that they're all getting something. And it's these collectives that have created the big problem. And by that, what I mean, there's no uniform rules as to who gets what. So I'm just making up these figures. But let's say Texas Mm -hmm. A&M's collective is paying two hundred thousand dollars to each and every kid, whereas maybe Alabama's is paying forty thousand dollars to each and every kid or Wisconsin is paying. $10,000 $10,000 to each and every kid, or eighty, whatever the figure is. But everyone's doing it a little differently. And it's that that's created this, uh, you know, I think Coach Saban used the word parity last week, or the lack of parity. Uh, everyone's doing it differently. Uh, and, and it's all apparently legal, but not everyone is convinced that this is nothing but a thinly disguised pay-for-play scheme. Hey, sign here, get this check. You don't have to do anything but sign here with this school and you get X amount of money. And some are saying, Hey, that's just pay for play. That has nothing to do with, Mm -hmm. with, uh, selling your name, image and likeness rights.
0: Talking with Jimmy Stein covering Alabama football. You can find him on Twitter at QB underscore country. So, um, going back to that and we, we both talked about once this is out that you can't, you know, stop it. You just got to figure out a way to regulate it. So, Um, my question then becomes, because the NCAA fought this and fought this and fought this and fought this, and then they ended up losing. So everything just kind of squished through their fingers. Now you're going to try to wrap your arms back around it. One, I don't know how you do that. And two, with the threats of, you know, the Power Five leaving and saying, hey, we don't need you. We got our own. We can do our own thing. Don't worry about it. We'll talk to you later. Is the the NCAA kind of powerless at this point? Uh, it's definitely what it feels like, and, and I think that's
2: exactly why you're seeing what you're seeing uh, between the, the, the fighting between uh, Coach Saban and, and Coach Fisher is that there is no uh, – there's no police. There's no policing of it. There's no real rules. Notice that as much as Coach Saban uh, pointed the finger at Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M last night, he did not specifically say that Jimbo Fisher or Texas A&M violated NCAA rules or any sort of a state or federal legislation, or that they, uh, you know, broke the law or, or even cheated. He just said Texas A&M bought their recruiting class, and apparently you can do that now. Uh, Coach Saban doesn't think it's right. I think a lot of coaches would agree with him, uh, but th- there there isn't uh, a set of rules, and, and the rules that are there don't appear to be enforced now. The NCAA did say. In the past two to three weeks, hey, uh, we've been quiet on this, but, we, but don't, don't think that we're not watching what's going on. And some of what may be going on may be against the rules. Don't think that you won't be punished if you've been actually violating NCAA rules. And that's what the NCAA said. But a lot of people tend to think that, uh, that they're, they're, they're really uh, toothless when it comes to this, and, and there probably isn't some sort of uh, ramifications.
0: Now, uh, what Jimbo Fisher had to say versus what Nick Saban actually had to say, uh, insinuating that Nick Saban's as dirty as dirty gets. And that's, without saying it, he said it. And he just didn't give you the details. So my question is if that's the case, do, do, first of all, does that raise eyes from the NCAA? Secondly, it, it, would there be any kind of an investigation or are they going to go to him to say what specifically are you talking about? Does this then start to throw barbs at programs back and forth? I mean, does this end with rhetoric or is there more substance to this than you think?
2: There would have to be, I think, for the NCA to be involved. There would have to be more specificity of allegations. I don't think the NCA is going to come flying down to College Station to talk to Jimbo because he said, hey, in the past, this guy's cheated anyone. Uh, I, I think if he in, disclose to the NCA specific information as to a player or how this happened or what happened. They, they might, they might, would be interested. But his allegations were not specific at all. And this is not the first time that Jimbo Fisher has said something like this. Uh, right after signing day, after Texas A&M signed uh, seven five stars and the highest-rated recruiting class of all time, uh, he was. There was a lot of comments right around signing day in february not just by nick saban and jimbo fisher was very defensive about it at that time and when told that nick saban and lane kiffin at old miss had uh kind of questioned the, the methods at which a and m was using to put that class together uh you know at that time jimbo fisher hinted that you know hey coaches like nick saban shouldn't be throwing their rocks in their glass houses you know uh so that mu- that must be his go-to uh, must be his go-to defense the uh Hey, well, what about what you do uh, as opposed to talking about how A&M put that class together?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick before I let you go. So, um, I, you know, we were talking about you can't put it back in the horse and you're going to be you're going to have to end up regulating it in some way, shape or form. What what does the NCAA do? I mean, eventually, after we see this over the next year or two or three, I mean, at what what would be the tipping point when we actually see a team that is recruited via money rather than, or, or because the portal has become so big, we see kids that get deals, they'll go to one school, they'll wear that deal out to go to the next school, they'll wear that. At what point do we see this begin to, where the NCAA has to wrap their arms around it because of what's going on?
2: It's a very complicated question involving a lot of moving parts. I think there's going to be a lot of opinions and maybe even a lot of solutions, uh, that probably the NCAA is going to find none of them palatable and every, you know, all all the coaches are going to disagree on what should be done. But it all starts with the idea that there needs to be some level of uniformity. Uh, the sport is not going to survive or do well at all when everyone's playing by different rules and if it's perfectly legal for Texas A and M uh to you know to use a dollar figure, it's perfect perfectly legal for them to pay two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to each kid who signs. And meanwhile uh the University of Illinois uh, can only pay seventy five hundred dollars to each kid that signs in Illinois is put at a distinct competitive disadvantage. And the NCAA has never operated that way in the past. Everyone's always had the same number of scholarships, the same number of meals you can provide, the same number of hours you can practice each week. The rules themselves have been uniform. If the rules now allow one school to pay a ton and another school paying very little, uh, when you don't have that uniformity of rules, it would be very similar to an NFL where the Dallas Cowboys can pay an unlimited amount of money to their to their players, whereas maybe uh, you know the Packers would pay you know significantly less, and uh, and we know what would happen uh, you know, through through free agency if that was the case. So there does I think everyone agrees that the rules need to be the same for everyone. Now what what are those rules? That's probably going to take someone a, a lot a lot more intelligent than I am.
0: Jimmy, great stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, And if we hear more rhetoric, we're going to call you again. But thanks for joining us for a couple of minutes, okay? Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it, pal. There you go. Jimmy Stein covering Alabama football at QB underscore country is where you can find him. And uh, two distinct discussions, one being the NIL and what eventually is going to happen. And then secondly, Uh, The rhetoric between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and the accusations being kind of thrown back and forth, the barbs, if you will. Jimbo Fisher coming out just swinging short of giving details as to what he feels is the ineptitude or the indiscretions in the Alabama football program. But, man, it got heated in the last 24 hours. That's for sure. Really, Really, about the last 12, 14 hours. That's for sure, in case you haven't heard it already. Uh, This portion of the program, boy, brought to you by our friends at MKE Brewing, a part of the tap takeover out here. Whether it's an outboard or uh, one of the other beers that MKE brews up, you can swing by out here at the uh, Social House on Lisbon Road, Menominee Falls, and get one of those. Or go to MKE Brewing. Stop downtown, and whether it's before or after a Brewers game, maybe an Admirals game, Admirals still in the postseason, which congratulations to them. They got a big one coming up against the, uh, the Wolves, the Chicago Wolves, this coming weekend. You can stop down to MKE. They have summer brews coming out. They got all kinds of things happening, and they are the host. Uh, where the starting point is for our motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday, September 4th. We're raising money for Fisher House, Wisconsin, for veterans, uh, military members, and their families. So thanks to MK Brewing for being a part of it as well. Stay tuned. We're broadcasting live here at the Social House, H-A-U-S, on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls. And at uh, Tap Takeover out here, they've got a portion of the proceeds this week and also going to Fisher House, Wisconsin. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. Hopefully uh, you're enjoying your day. I know we are. Whenever you get a chance to uh, do the show in a bar, man, it's fantastic. And this one's just reopening as the grand reopening uh, begins today uh, for the entire weekend here at Social House on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls, the beautiful new edition, which if you're watching on the Bud Light livestream, you can see. I appreciate uh, everybody that's joined the program today, but you can see that over on the Bud Light live stream and a portion of the proceeds from the entire weekend go to Fisher house, Wisconsin. So if you're going to stop by, stop by, get yourself something to eat, uh, but get some of the tappers, whether it's an outboard, whether it's raised grain, whatever it happens to be, all the different, uh, you got Bud Light, the house light as well. So many of the solid gold. There's so many different tappers out here, but get them and a portion of those proceeds go directly to Fisher house, Wisconsin. So, uh, helping military members, veterans, and their families. And uh, we can't say thanks enough to the gang here at the uh, Social House for getting the job done. Uh, we were talking earlier about Phil Mickelson. And, uh, Ben, I don't know if you saw this, but Dave Stockton, he won the PGA Championship back in the, uh, 1970. I think it was 76 as well. Said uh, it, the, um, you know, the Champions Dinner was held earlier this week. And about a dozen, you know, former P- PGA champions, including Royer McElroy and Colin Morikawa. They went to the dinner, and uh, Stockton said, now remember, Rory McIlroy said it's a shame, it's sad, Phil belongs here, he should be here. Uh, Stockton says differently, says, yeah, it was a fun evening, and Phil wasn't missed. I think Phil would have been a big distraction whether he was here or not. The story here is this week, and it's the PGA, and not Phil Mickelson and very emphatic. He didn't want to get into many more details beyond that, but some of the things that Phil said regarding the PGA, regarding the Saudis and such, and the, uh, the alternative league uh, that is starting there, uh, we know that they offered uh, Jack Nicholas to be the face of that league over in uh, Saudi Arabia. They offered him $100 million, and he turned it down. And Stockton basically said, yeah, Phil wasn't missed. We, don't, we didn't need him. Didn't need him here. Mickelson, the six-time major champion, uh, informed the PGA that he was not going to play and defend his uh, PGA championship earlier. Uh, he became golf's oldest major champion at the age of 50 by winning at Kiwa Island in South Carolina last year. And Mickelson, who also won the 2005 PGA championship, um, that was at uh, or uh, uh, Baltusrol in New Jersey, uh, he hasn't played in a tour event since late January after his controversial comments about the PGA Tour and about Saudi Arabian financers of the Breakaway LIV Golf Invitational Series were published uh, by uh, Alan Shipnuck and the book that uh, came out and the uh, the excerpts of the book. And some other other, um, thought is that with the new book coming out that there is going to be more Uh, dirt, if you will, on Phil Mickelson, and he's trying to avoid all of that as well. But anyway, uh, Stockton not happy with Phil and said, yeah, he wasn't missed. We didn't need him. No big deal. So uh, on one hand, you got some people saying, yeah, we'd love to have him. On others, no. And that's what I said. You either love Phil or you hate him. There's not a lot of in between. Phil's been outspoken. He's been at times abrasive uh, to not only fans and media, but to, to those on tour. Uh, some He obviously has his inner circle, and they, they like him a lot. But others, not so much. Not so much. Uh, coming up after the top of the hour, our final hour of the program, I'm going to talk with Zach Heilprin, uh, a little Wisconsin collegiate talk, as we already talked a little bit about Alabama and the barbs being thrown back and forth between Alabama, Nick Saban, and Jimbo Fisher, and the Texas a m program. We'll talk more uh, of the effect on all of this regarding the Wisconsin program as well. Bob, by the way, says over on the Bud Light live stream, listening to your conversation about college pay for play. Uh, I suspect there's going to be an issue that uh, women's sports should get an equal price of that pie eventually, similar to the settlement with the women's soccer team. And I don't disagree with equal pay. Uh, I Great, great quote or great thought, uh, Bob, but I don't know. I don't know what it's going to equate to. I really don't. I don't know whether it's going to be equal pay for play all the way across the board or just for those that bring in a certain... It's 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 an NIL deal. It's for name, image, and likeness. And if your name and image and likeness don't generate as much money on one end versus another, then I, I don't know how that's going to eventually kind of shake out because the colleges aren't paying it, but others around the colleges are. So I, I don't know. We'll see if there's going to be uniformity. It's a great question. It's just another one of the... Uh, the the hidden landmines that uh, they're going to have to kind of you know walk through uh, among all of this. Coming up next, Zach Heilprin. We're going to talk some Wisconsin athletics and some of this NIL stuff when we come back. Stay tuned. We got another hour of the Bill Michael Show broadcasting live out here at the Social House H A U S on Lisbon Road in Menominee Falls. Stay tuned. We got more coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.